The Litro Lab Podcast. The Depressing Command by Faisal and Jorin. Major Benson exhaled deeply and entered the office of the Supreme Commander. The bulgy eyed general was seated on the throne like burgundy chair behind the mahogany desk. The day's issue of the Salon Times spread in front of him. His desk was littered with files and papers and the ashtray on it filled to the brim with cigarette butts. General Abelardi was reading the article written by Fatty Samuel. Major Benson was certain. Nothing else in the newspaper could have ignited the intense hatred in the general's brief glance of acknowledgement. Major Benson was sure. He kept his eyes on the giant coat of arms of the Sierra Leonean government that hung on the wall behind his bus. Who the hell is this moron? This idiot has the audacity and the... 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 The general snorted and the major's heart pounded like a jungle drum. Fatty Samuel was the daughter of Camille Samuel, Benson's favourite teacher in his secondary school days. Mr Samuel had given him extra lessons in mathematics and physics without asking for any reward when Benson's grades had started declining in the beginning of his senior secondary class. Benson wouldn't have been able to pay him if he had asked. His father was a poor farmer who lived most of his life paying debts. He gambled religiously because of his rosy dreams of sudden wealth. He drank as if he might be rewarded for it. And he died with outstanding debts that had taken Benson's mother six years to pay off. Camille Samuel's help had been instrumental to the major's success. It led to the scholarship that saw him through his years in the military academy but nothing in Benson's expression would show his fear for the daring journalist's likely punishment. He refused to express any hint of sympathy or any sign of his debt of gratitude for Fatty Samuel's father, definitely not in the presence of an enraged dictator. This is... this is treasonable felony! The general barked. For a moment, Benson thought he saw a spark in his eyes. Major Benson, have you read this? No, sir. He lied, standing straight like a war. This is sheer incompetence. You should look out for things like this. I was CSO for eight years and there was no coup or uprising during that time. That didn't happen by some sort of magic. I didn't allow this kind of rubbish. He lifted the newspaper and rested his eyes on the Major for a moment. Yes, sir. Major Benson had been sad for a week. It had become his state as soon as the Supreme Military Council appointed him as a chief security officer to the Supreme Commander. It was his duty to rid the country of real and imagined enemies of the government. Most of the journalists, lawyers, politicians and concerned citizens who said too much about human rights and justice had been silenced. Some had been assassinated, some imprisoned, a few lucky ones had gone into exile. It was easy to be guilty under one or more of the three main charges treason conspiracy to commit treason and accessory to the facts of treason major benson had thought himself a military intellectual and was comfortable with his position as a learning coordinator at the military academy before the supreme military council decided he was the best person to hunt its enemies for cruel judgment in seven days he had ordered the assassination of two journalists and one lawyer he had imprisoned eight lawyers he thought it was a good record. The former CSO killed six journalists, three human rights lawyers and one politician in his first week in office. After a month in office, he was as hated as a supreme commander who loved him so dearly. 
Freetown citizens had celebrated cautiously when he died of heart complications three weeks ago. The taverns filled up and there was plenty to drink, even for the very poor. But they avoided energetic dancing and loud music. Military tanks and armoured vehicles could flood the streets with destructive fury at any moment. This moron is calling for an uprising and she has the audacity to print this in a government platform. The general exhaled, folded his arms and leaned his back on the chair. Benson held his breath and waited. I gave specific instructions about the appointment of editors for government newspapers yes sir don't just stand there and say yes sir yes sir as if it's the only word in your zombie brain she was not appointed sir major benson said his eyes focused on the floor she did this on her own the supreme commander closed his eyes slowly and reopened them benson felt a knot tightening in his stomach who gave her the right to do things on her own the Major kept his eyes on the floor. I will give you two minutes to read this. The General raised the newspaper. And twenty minutes to come up with a solution that will make me happy. The door opened as the General was speaking. It was Major Seydoux of the Directorate of Military Intelligence. He gave the General an exaggerated salute and handed him a large manila envelope. At least someone is working swiftly. You won't find defense strategies in textbooks, Major Benson. Maybe that's where you've been looking. Salone is protected by the watchfulness of an eagle eye, not by bogus intellectual schemes. He opened the envelope and brought out two glossy pictures, eight by ten, a short, slim woman with a protruding stomach. The bulge in her stomach could only be pregnancy. She was in her late twenties or early thirties. Fatty Samuel. Benson wondered for a moment why the DMI boss had brought the pictures to the Supreme Commander. It was the usual practice for the DMI to report to the CSO. Benson was sure he had had it figured out in his mind. His position was a coveted one. Major Seydoux could be trying to get into favour. The concern that weighed him down was the inevitable evil he was expected to do in 20 minutes. Giving orders for execution was not new to him but he hadn't known the victims of the past. They were nothing but enemies firing against his unit from a distant trench. He had been able to convince himself, albeit with difficulty, that they deserved the doom that came on them. He remained distant from the executions and the assassinations. He avoided the torture chambers and the wounds and the blood and screams of distress and the tears. Instead, he would give orders from a glass and marble office and wait for the news. Words would shield him from the ugliness of his orders. A man is missing. A man has been shot. A woman has been assassinated. Another has been raped. Another kidnapped. News. Words that meant nothing to him. General Abelade snorted. A pregnant woman. His eyes widened and they seemed to pierce Major Benson like needles. The general handed the pictures to him. Major Benson, I don't want to deal with this kind of issue any more, okay? If you can't be proactive on this job, you can be replaced. Yes, sir. The general glanced at his watch and stood up suddenly as if propelled by some force and made for the door. Both majors saluted, but it was Major Seydoux who followed him at a swift pace. 
Major Benson knew the solution that would make his boss happy. Fatty Samuel had written, A clique of insensitive officers without the slightest clue of the responsibilities of good governance cannot be trusted with our common wealth and the future of this country. It is our responsibility as citizens to rise in unity with every platform we have and speak against the oppression and arrogance that has chained us to the past and hindered our strides towards freedom. She called for a million citizens' protest march on the 27th of April. Articles far less severe in their criticism had brought death to their writers. Major Benson could call the woman and beg or threaten her to leave the country for the sake of her life. He could go to her house and force her to leave the country by personally driving her to the Liberian border. He could kidnap her and provide a mangled body from the morgue as evidence of her death. But he only had twenty minutes. He was under surveillance like every other army officer. His plans, whatever they became, could not be carried out without some help. Such help could be a death trap. And he is the CSO, the man who moved around with hordes of security agents waiting to act on his command. Thirty-two military officers had been killed by the General Abelade-led administration over alleged treasonable offences. Officers who had thought their subtle resistance to the policies of the military government would remain unnoticed. Officers who had been implicated on the strength of baseless allegations, suspicion and speculation. In this administration, you could be killed for your secret activities and lose your life for creating the wrong impression. Major Benson felt his head might explode from the rush of thoughts that offered him no relief. He closed his eyes, rubbed his temples and sighed. He knew that the Supreme Commander would not be back soon. He had gone to commission a rural electrification project in the northern province. He wouldn't think about the fragile-looking pregnant woman or her stinging words for the next two hours. The Timony people would line by the roadside with flags and cheers and dances to welcome his convoy. There would be anthems and speeches on nationalism and patriotism. Traditional rulers would declare their eternal loyalty, saying anything that will be pleasing to their guest. Major Benson stretched his arms above his head, yawned and cracked his knuckles. He switched on the television on the war cabinet and sat on the sofa, hoping for something that might make his life easy. Some form of entertainment, some kind of relief, some distraction. Maybe this cup of bile would just pass from him. Maybe the world would come to a sudden end so that Camille Samuel would not have to weep over his daughter and the grandchild he would never see. Maybe the pregnant journalist would be struck by lightning and make his life less complicated. A Nigerian film was playing. Some pastor was on the screen casting out demons, moving his fists and head as if the demons were in the air and could be hit by his exertions. The major rested his elbow on his knees, covered his face with his palms and thought about his favourite teacher. The hours he had spent teaching him mathematics and physics under the mango tree beside his house. The lessons ending at the, as the sky darkened. He thought about Mr. Samuel's kind words on that sunny afternoon when he'd sat under an Iroko tree in the school premises and cried over his poor grades. He remembered the meals Mrs. Samuels served on certain occasions, the pounded yam and fishy okra soup. He remembered the beautiful young girl who would help her mother set the table. He remembered the pink ribbons holding the girl's hair together. If there was a God, he had to help him. Nothing but the miraculous could save Fatty Samuel from death. Benson was certain.
His eyes rested on the phones on the Supreme Commander's desk. He could use the intercom in the war cabinet, a direct line to special operations, a secret arm of the army with gunmen trained in Russia. His eyes flooded with tears and he covered his face with his palms again. He began to say a prayer but the phone on the general's desk rang before he could intensify his spiritual quest. His eyes rested on the television for a moment and suddenly the phone didn't matter. He increased the volume. There was a news headline and the footage showed smoke rising from wreckage surrounded by ragged peasants and a few police officers with gloves and body bags. It was a plane crash. Flight SCSLB-1. The presidential jet. The Supreme Commander and six of the Supreme Military Council, including the DMI boss, all dead. Major Benson blinked and increased the volume again to be sure he was not watching some movie with good special effects. He remembered the scowling face of General Abelardi. He imagined him dismembered, unidentifiable, burnt to a crisp. A sigh escaped his lips. He felt like singing. He wanted to dance. He wanted to speak in a strange language. He wanted to stand quite still and wonder. The phone call was from Lieutenant Colonel Idris Momu the only surviving member of the Supreme Military Council. His voice trembled as he told Benson he was too shocked to think and decide what to do without some help. He wanted to know what was necessary to maintain law and order. Major Benson gave orders and instructions. The State House was flooded with questions and condolence messages. He handled them with calmness and diplomacy. He was the most senior military officer in a political post. At noon... He stood before the cameras and lights of the Sierra Leone Broadcasting Service and assumed office as the Supreme Commander of the Republic of Sierra Leone. Subscribe to Literal Lab Podcast on Spotify.